Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number four of the Soccer Summer Podcast, your place to get all the information for all the soccer summer going on. And today I got two guests on here, Jerry Reynoso uh, from 110 Football. And then here I have Mr. MLS himself, Eli Lesser here, coming to join us. How are you guys? I'll start with you, uh, Eli. How are you doing? I am excellent. I got to meet you on Wednesday at a great Galaxy match, so that was very fun. And, you know, the French Revolution has arrived. And that's all I can really say. It has indeed. Dude, I thought you left early because they conceded the one goal. We were talking at the halftime meet of how every time we were here, we kept the clean sheet. But, you know, unfortunately, yeah. uh, Dallas got one back. Anyway, Jerry, how are you doing? Uh, I mean, I hope I'm doing better than the Galaxy. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't really want to talk about Galaxy, so let's move on. Nah. <laughs> uh, no, I've been doing good, man. There's a lot of uh, fantastic football being played on all ends of the world right now. You got a big final weekend this week with the start of the Gold Cup this summer as well, or this weekend. And uh, yeah, just uh, excited for that. All right, dope. So me and Jerry last night, uh, we had our podcast talking about the Euros and Copa America, our predictions for the finals. Now we're going to segue over to Eli now to give his predictions. So if you want to start with the Euros, Eli, tell us who do you think is going to win, England or Italy? Who I want to win is different than who will win. I want Italy to win. But part of me is thinking, you know, the English defense has been so great throughout this entire tournament. Uh, What they have up top is excellent. What I'm seeing from Raheem Sterling is excellent. And it pains me to say it because as an American, as a USMNT fan, I just want to be like, F England, bro. Like, we should honestly be hating England more than we hate the Mexican national team at times. Because, you know, England, man, they, they I mean, you, you, know, you know all our American history. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like this team is, from top to bottom is so stacked that they're, they're going to finally win something. I think football is coming home, unfortunately. I was telling Alex, you know, technically – Football is already home because they're hosting the final Wembley. So the championship is already at Wembley. You know, it just might not, you know, stay with England. So we'll just have to wait and see until Sunday. Yeah, and the the whole uh, way England got there, too, you know, it's in their favor. They only played one knockout stage away from home. And and that was really it. All, the, all their games were at Wembley. So that kind of does make it a little bit easier for them. Uh, me and Jerry have Italy winning. Um, now on to Copa America, Eli. Do you think Messi gets his first international trophy or do you think Neymar is going to spoil that party? I really want him to. Trust me. I think the whole world of soccer, even some Brazilian fans, might be rooting for Argentina in this one. I, I want to see Messi get it. I'm a huge Messi guy. It's kind of funny. I'm looking at their roster here and it, their best players listed as a free agent at the moment, which is obviously true. Um, but I would love Messi to finally showcase that i've never been a huge neymar guy for obvious reasons no one really wants to see that guy flopping all over the place um and he'll be flopping his way to a second place finish in the copa america oh man hopefully uh that is the case because you know we've seen so many times and just in the recent Copa americas too just messy crying and stuff like that a lot of people you know you don't want to see that from arguably one of the greatest players to ever play it you know, and, and just like you said, you know, he's a free agent right now. So even his future club wise, you know, you never know uh, w- w- what's going to happen there. But anyway, to transition to today's topic, we're going to be talking and previewing the CONCACAF Gold Cup to give you listeners uh, kind of some background information. These are the groups uh, so far for Group A. You have Curacao, El Salvador, Mexico, Trinidad and Tobago for Group A. Group B, you have Canada, Haiti. Martinique and the USA. In Group C, you have Costa Rica, Guadalupe, Jamaica, and Suriname. And in Group D, you have Granada, Honduras, Panama, and Cater. So, uh, starting with you, Jerry, what do you think about uh, the group so far? Any any group that piques your interest? I think, of course, you know everybody, anybody watching Concacaf football is going to keep their eyes on the groups with uh, Mexico and and USA, even Canada. You know, Canada's in there with USA, and you know that might throw off the standings a little bit but uh the group that i've been paying attention to that you know kind of surprised me i believe it's group d group d or group c they're filled with four teams that honestly most of us don't even know about you know we get to see the the first time of the likes of granada who have only been in this tournament 
you know, twice, and it's their first time in nine years. And then you have the uh, the guests who have joined this tournament for whatever reason they're part of this tournament, uh, Qatar. And we get to see also uh, Suriname. Suriname, Suriname. There's a lot of countries that we're going to have a lot of butchered names with. Uh, and then there's, of course, you know, the, the ones that we think are going to make it through is Costa Rica. But uh, all these, you know, Group A, Group B are like, all right, we kind of figured out who's going to make it through. Group C and D... Those are groups where it's like, oh, okay, maybe there's going to be some some dark horses. That's where the hidden gems are staying at. So I'm looking forward to watching Group C and D. A and B, of course, because that's where all the magic is going to happen. But, you know, I don't want to underestimate the other two groups. What about you, Eli? I'm actually going to go with Group A because, yeah, Mexico's in it and they're going to win the group. They're probably going to get all nine points. But I think the second spot's really up for grabs. And I think any of the... Th- three other teams in this group could potentially be a dark horse in the tournament. El Salvador is decent. They have LAFC legend, Josh Perez, of course, and Alex Roldan, which could be a fun matchup in the future. Um, if the U S and El Salvador can make it that far. Um, but they have talent Trinidad and Tobago. You can never sleep on them in these types of tournaments. And then of course, Curacao, uh, led by Eloy Room of the Columbus crew. I mean, they made it pretty far last time. So you never really know like which of these three teams could actually like um, make it through. And I think those, the matches between those three teams might be some of the best group stage matches for sure. Oh yeah. Um, You know, like Jerry mentioned, everybody's going to be paying attention to the Mexico USA groups. Um, Personally for me, I've sort of become like my, I guess my third team to root for, or someone who I hope kind of has a deep run is Jamaica. I've really been liking what they're doing. I love Andre Blake. He's probably one of my favorite players in all of MLS. And, you know, growing up, you know, being a goalkeeper and then watching these tournaments, I was like, man, Andre Blake is so good. You know, so I'm hoping Jamaica can make a deep run, maybe go to the final against like they did. And if I'm correct, 2017, they made the final um, against the USA. But hopefully that happens. And like you guys mentioned, you know, USA, Mexico are going to get all the attention. Um, But who's a dark horse for you guys? who could go far, maybe make it to the finals, semifinals that not a lot of people are expecting or talking about at the moment. I'll start with you, Eli. Well, this is a team that many might think might make the semifinals, but I'd go as far to say this team could potentially win it all. And I'm going to go with Canada here. This is a team full of talent from the top to bottom. They pretty much their first choice squad minus Jonathan David. So Alfonso Davies, he's going to have opportunities here to really cement himself as that dude in CONCACAF. And like throughout this entire roster, there's just great MLS talent. Tejan Buchanan, Cavallini, Mark Anthony Kay. A lot of those guys, they're going to be here the first choice guys for Canada and we even saw this team beat the U.S. in 2019 in one of their two matches against each other so we know that they can beat a top level opponent in CONCACAF also uh, I'm going to shout Iowa who seems to have made his decision between the U.S. and Canada he will be with Canada in this tournament and he's someone who I have high expectations for maybe not this tournament but in his throughout his career I think he's gonna reach some pretty big heights yeah, to piggyback, to piggyback off of Eli, you know, Ayoga Canola, he came out of nowhere in the MLS back tournament, getting a hat trick in that first group match with uh, Toronto. And ever since then, he's been, you know, had he's had Canada and USA fight over him. And so for him to get his uh, first cap tied uh, in this tournament and basically make his decision and commit to Canada, I think that's a big plus, not only for Canada, but just all around CONCACAF because it kind of balances out the teams within that. Uh, but for me, just in regards to, uh, you know, the previous tournament and just how, you know, these two teams are in form. I have two dark horses. One of them is Curacao. I really like the way they performed last tournament they were around and their qualification process this time around was way better than last time. Um, you know, like I said, we had the likes of Eli Room, who's a fantastic leader in the back line, uh, especially between the posts and just helping out everybody out there. Uh, and they had a great, uh, I believe, group stage match against Martinique last time uh, in the last edition of the Gold Cup. So after, ever since that match, I feel like they kind of stepped up a bit and we got to figure out, uh, you know what? Maybe these this team is not one to underestimate and that they're here for a good time to kind of uh, mess things around here in CONCACAF. Uh, but another, uh, I guess, more, more probable one is Jamaica. The Reggae Boys have been, you know, they've been on one, like you said, as, in tw- as, as since 2017. You know, Andre Blake has been killing it there. But I think the guy to look for, for sure, for sure, and this team will be Leon Bailey. If Leon Bailey could 
take advantage of the fact that he's the main winger on this team and if you know the midfielder can help create space for him and just allow him to produce the way Leon Bailey's used to producing over there in Bayern at Rikusen, um I think uh, you know he could lead Jamaica to as far as possible which is honestly the final Another thing with Jamaica is the fact that they now have a bunch of new guys from England, you know, these dual international guys that are hopping on the Jamaica side. So this will only make this Jamaica side stronger. And like, not only will this help them for this tournament, but it will ultimately help them qualify for the World Cup, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. And just the fact they're even having a player like Leon Bailey on their team, because Jamaica do kind of have like a record of not really, I guess, having that good of a relationship with their players. Um, and Eli, like you mentioned, a bunch of dual internationals from England. Like right now, Jamaica's trying to switch over Mason Greenwood from Manchester uh, United. And uh, I-, I was reading something. Basically, uh, the Federation of Jamaica said, hey, you're not good enough to make it to the England squad. So join us. I thought that was a little disrespectful and maybe <laughs> not the right way to go at, you know, trying to recruit some players. But yeah, uh, I think Leon Bailey is probably one of the biggest X factors for uh, this entire tournament because his performance will definitely elevate uh, Jamaica and how people view them throughout the tournament. And uh, uh, Jerry, you mentioned earlier, you know, MLS is back tournament. It's crazy to think a year ago today, the MLS is back tournament started, man. That's, that's wow, man. A year, year goes by. What quick, a tournament, man. man. What a tournament. That was a lot better than we all expected, I think, as, uh, you know, MLS fans. And, you know, it just gave us something to watch when there was nothing to watch at the time, man. Wow, I mean, we got the likes of uh, Ayo Akinola, and imagine that tournament didn't happen. Would we even have them, you know, perform like that? So, uh, yeah, I'm grateful for that. And uh, no, I do not want another one. You know, one and done, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) It was just a one-time thing. Well, anyway, we're going to just have a bit of a discussion here about the U.S. men's national team for a bit. Obviously, coming off the CONCACAF uh, Nations League final, beating Mexico in probably the greatest game of this year so far. I don't think any other game from the Euros um, or Copa America has come close to what that game brought a lot of people. Uh, Eli, what are your thoughts on this squad? A lot of people, uh, you know, who've checked out the squad know this isn't their A-plus squad, more maybe like a B-team. What do you think about the players uh, on this roster? Okay, unpopular opinion, I like this roster. I think it's fine. As me me being the MLS stan, I love seeing MLS guys make the squad. And people got to understand, we're not necessarily going for this Gold Cup. We're not trying to necessarily win. If we do win, it'll be great. But this is about getting more guys opportunities to potentially cement themselves in that 2022 roster. A lot of the stuff that I've been hearing is, you know, like Berhalter's got his maybe 12 to 15 guys that are pretty much locks for 2022 at this point. But what about the last eight guys? And I think you're going to get some of those guys from this tournament, guys who are very fringe players if they just stick out this tournament and play really, really well. And, you know, if they could get the U.S. this trophy against a possible A team with Mexico in this tournament, I mean, yeah, they're going to make the roster. But looking at specific names, guys that I'm excited to see, definitely the biggest one that sticks out to me is Gianluca Buzio of Kansas City. As he's been looking great, I think he will fit Greg Berhalter's 4-3-3 system with like the, the 8-10s very well. Um, he likes to rotate those midfielders and it's interesting because in the midfield none of these guys are great at one specific spot but they're good at playing multiple positions like Christian Roldan, Sebastian Legette, Eric Williamson, Kellen Acosta, Buzio. I just named like pretty much all the midfielders. They could play all three positions in the midfield and I think he's gonna have those guys rotate throughout and cause problems for other teams. And then of course I have to mention Daryl DK because this tournament's gonna be the Daryl DK tournament. Um, we're only going to go as far as Daryl DK will take him, and he could even cement himself as the US 17 number nine. I already have him over Josh Sargent personally, just because I like his style of play a bit more for the US. Um, but many people still have Josh Sargent. But if Daryl DK is the golden boot winner of this tournament, then heck, he should definitely be Greg Berhalter's number one come September and World Cup qualifying. Uh, Jerry, what do you think about the squad when you look at it? Yeah, I mean, you know, Eli, like Eli said, I agree with his unpopular opinion. You know, this squad is, uh, you know, you could see, uh, unfortunately, they're not necessarily going for the Gold Cup winner. And, uh, I mean, if I were to choose Gold Cup over, uh, you know, preparation of the World Cup qualifiers, it's like, oh, man, I don't know. But as a fan, you know, the USMNT, you know, you kind of want to win as much trophies as possible, even qualify at the same time. 
But the truth is, there's at times where, you know, as a manager, you have to make the decision and say, you know what, we can't necessarily go for everything. You can't go for all the goals right now. And so um, I understand the decision that Burhalter made in picking this 23-man roster. Um, I'm really happy that I get to see uh, Daryl DK up there. Uh, Jonathan Lewis is kind of like, uh, you know, kind of an iffy one. But all the guys that Eli mentioned, I'm happy for the same reason. You get to see all these uh, MLS guys uh, get experience on here. Gianluca Busio, it's about time he gets in this 23-man roster. And not only, you know, get a chance with the senior team, but in a pretty uh, prestigious tournament in terms of CONCACAF. Uh, I think the biggest blow for me, though, looking at this team is that we don't get to see any of Ethan Horbath after that Nations League final. Um, you know, and then Eli mentioned that this is like a test squad, you know, trying to experiment a little bit. I think this is a great way to experiment, um, but I think one person that they should definitely continue to experiment is Ethan Horbath. I mean, if Ethan Horvath isn't playing this tournament, he's honestly just sitting at home or doing individual workouts because Club Rouge is not in season right now. And so I think that's a big blow. Uh, I would most definitely switch out Brad Guzon or even Sean Johnson over Ethan Horvath. Um, I, I agree with the Matt Turner pickup. Uh, he's been killing it uh, these, you know, this, this season in MLS. And, you know, but, uh, yeah, I think it's just a big blow not to see Ethan Horvath there and, you know, potentially see if he can lock his spot as the goalkeeper. Uh, obviously, um, Zach Stefan is not able to uh, attend the tournament due to his injury sustained in the Nations League final. But I think Ethan Havat would ha would have gotten the opportunity to not only lock the first spot, but definitely lock the second spot as the backup. Yeah, uh, I'm going to just ask this question you guys can answer quickly. You know, obviously, Ethan Horvath had his moment at the CONCACAF Nations League final. Do you guys think that, you know, with obviously Stefan's not going to play because of his injury, but do you think there's still somebody who can come in for that number one spot and beat Stefan out? Eli, do you, have, do you have anything? I mean, yeah, obviously, Ethan Horvath has done very well, and he he came up huge in that Nations League final. However, I would say if anyone's Number one, I am going to put my MLS bias here and say Matt Turner because he's been by far the best goal. No offense to your boy Andre Blake, but Matt Turner's been the best goalkeeper in MLS this season. And his shot stopping ability, his IQ has been tremendous. We saw what happened when Matt Turner wasn't with the Revs and their back line was absolutely garbage. Um, so, you know, I, I love Matt Turner. I'm very high on Matt Turner. And I think that if anyone could take that number one spot, it's Matt Turner, but maybe not for 2022. Uh, just because, you know, Matt Turner might not make the move to Europe by then. But I think once he does, he'll, he could submit himself as that guy. Yeah, Matt Turner is a fantastic candidate to uh, kind of, you know, get involved in this healthy goalkeeper competition. But a guy that I think has been killing it over in, in MLS is Jimmy Marr. Jimmy Marr, he's been, you know, Playing really good in my eyes, you know, I think he's the one that's been saving literally everything for FC Dallas, just that Dallas back line is just horrendous uh, right now. And, you know, he's trying his best to do as much as possible to keep the ball in the net. And, you know, I think he, uh, you know, if you put him on a better team with a better back line, he'll most definitely get called up to the national team. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that's not the case here. But if things start to pick up for Dallas or even Jimmy Morrow, he gets to a different team, somewhere better. Again, just like Eli said, maybe not for 2022, but the evident future, he could uh, see himself on the senior squad very soon. It's just interesting because, you know, America has so many, like, decent goalkeepers, you know? Like, we could, if, like, the U.S. had the depth they have at goalkeeper at every other position, we'd be a top nation in the world almost. Uh, I mean, like, this season, just, I, I view Maurer kind of in that tier with, like, Brad Stuver, Joe Willis. Yeah. guys who have like been distressed before now that they're on a new team or a newer team like they're just killing it and that's a thing you could go so many deep um at goalkeeper in america and it's tough to only pick three per roster uh yeah. Don johnson and brad guzan deserve that status no but i guess they have more experience with the national team and that's why they're called up so i'm not complaining about that in general yeah um obviously you know goalkeeper is going to be always a point of discussion for any national team you know that's probably maybe like one of the most important positions uh, just in the whole field. But moving on to another topic, who's a player that you think kind of needs to step up and kind of just maybe solidify their place more for Greg Berhalter? Like I'll start off first. Um, I know Berhalter is a big fan of Sebastian Leggett, but I think uh, the boy has to have a good tournament in order to be on that uh, 2022 World Cup roster. That's who I think. I'm going to start with you, Jerry. Who do you think on the U.S.? kind of needs to step up in order to kind of 
go up the rankings in Greg Berhalter's list? Uh, honestly, I don't think it's like a specific player, but more like a specific part of the team, which is the attack. I mean, last uh, nation, the Nations League, there was a you know, you put the players on the team sheet, and you're like, oh man, these guys are gonna be heavy goal scorers. They do their thing in Europe, and they're handling business wherever they're at. But when it comes to actually being with the national team, you only get like what a one-zero win against Honduras, and then you know a, a tough outing against uh, Mexico. You know, but uh, now with the addition of Dero DK, even Gio Acini, you know, I expect these guys just by looking at them on paper to put the ball in the net as much as possible. And so you know, it's not necessarily a specific player; it's just whoever in the tag is planning to step up and be that player who has that killer instinct. Which I think we could all agree with is that it's Dero DK who has that. You know. USA needs a goal, and you, you need someone to do it, Daryl DK is going to step up. Uh, but at this point, not necessarily just him. It's the whole attack. And so, um, yeah, it's just those are the ones that I think they should keep an eye on. Uh, Matthew Hoppy is another person that I, uh, I'm going to keep my eye on as well coming into this tournament with uh, the U.S. Uh, Burr Halter has already said that he's going to have him play as a winger, which is, you know, something new, I guess, especially on the left side. Um, so, I, But I don't think he will be more of a, you know, goal scorer, but more like a goal creator. Maybe get a few shots, take some risks, and get the dolly to dive a bit and, uh, you know, force him to make saves that probably don't need to be made. And, you know, maybe some goals, little tap-ins that lead to that. Um, but yeah, just the overall attack, they all need to step on this, in this Gold Cup because not only is it the Gold Cup that this is a warm-up for, it's also formal for the uh, qualifiers, which is, we all know, a much more difficult task compared to this tournament right here. Oh, yeah. Um, No, one thing I wanted to mention is the back line here, because I think with Greg Berhalter's A squad, there are two spots that are up for grabs. I think left back is still up for grabs because we haven't really quite solidified Anthony Robinson as the starting left back or, you know, like Sergio Des playing left back instead of right back. And then also right center back. I think left center back is on lock with John Brooks. But after the Nations League with the poor performances of Mark McKenzie, there really is no answer yet at right center back. And I think a tournament like the Gold Cup is huge for a guy like Walker Zimmerman of Nashville SC, formerly of LAFC and FC Dallas. I mean, he he has the experience. He's been the best defender in MLS over the past couple seasons. And the Gold Cup is the type of tournament for guys like him to solidify themselves as a starter for the national team. I mean, we look back at the last cycle of guys, guys like Matt Beasler, Omar Gonzalez. They got their chances with the U.S. men's national team because of tournaments like the Gold Cup. And they became crucial guys um, under Klinsman, under Arena, under Bob Bradley. So I think Walker Zimmerman is a guy I'm looking at who could potentially solidify himself as a starter for the A-team, not just on this squad and i also think sam vines could potentially do that as well at left back if he's impressive and then guys like reggie cannon you know he's he's gonna be there um so i i'm not really looking at him but yeah sam vines and walker zimmerman and maybe even miles robinson are guys i'm looking at but specifically walker zimmerman i think this is a make or break for him to be a starter for next year's world cup and you know he might not even make the squad if he has a poor performance yeah, you make a good point there, uh, talking about the left center back spot, because we know John Brooks is going to be center back number one. There's no doubt about that. But the guy next to him, you know, still questions about that. You mentioned Mark McKenzie, you know, obviously having a couple of uh, errors in the Nations League final, and that spot's still up for grabs. So I, I think that's going to be most important for Burhalter. And I think, uh, like you mentioned, Walker Zimmerman, he's the guy that I think should have that spot. He's been great in MLS all year, you know, like you said, the best defender. And I think right now is his time to shine. But I, I think we can make this question real quick. Breakout player, I think most of us can kind of agree for the U.S. is probably Daryl DK, unless anybody has something different. Oh, uh, no, I, I agree with that. But I think also I would just want to go back to the topic where, you know, who needs to step up? I think in this tournament, the one that really needs to step up is Greg Berhalter. Because, I mean, we the only kind of positive note that we saw was the adjustments he made in the Nations League final. Now, how can he carry this momentum? into this tournament you know we see the roster you know it's pretty depth orientated the rotation especially for the midfield is gonna be fantastic and even in the attack but can he put the right guys in the right place can he solidify those roles and make sure that usa gets the results that are needed now as a manager of course you always got to think the managers they only take care of things tactical when everything else is on the pitch that's when the players take initiative 
That's why I go back to the attack where they need to step up. But the ones who are up there on the field, that goes on Burr Hunter's hands. Yeah, uh, we, we can go ahead and, you know, talk about this. We're going to talk about this soon anyway. But, uh, Eli, you 100% sold on Greg Berhalter, or you still kind of have some doubts? Uh, yeah, I'm sold on him at this point. I mean, who else are we going to get? You know, who else is American that the U.S. is going to get? I, I kind of like the, the U.S. men's national team coach being an American coach. Sure, I'd like to see Jesse Marsh, but also I want to see what he could do at the European level before coming to the national team level. Um, I, I mean, he hasn't done anything wrong. I don't think anything's gone bad he's also been a hell of a recruiter for the national team convincing a ton of dual nationals i mean Sergio dest was one of burhalter's guys like we got him because of that Eunice musa is a burhalter trans like guy that we got so i mean he's done an incredible job recruiting we haven't really lost anything in a major way yet sure 2019 gold cup final was a bit of a tough one uh, losing one nil to mexico but other than that, I mean, it, it all rides on this World Cup qualifying, you know. He's got to get us to the World Cup and then potentially take us out of the group stage. And I think he'll be able to keep his job easily if that's the case. Um, I don't think there's any reason to have any doubts about him right now. So, Jerry, I guess you're kind of not yet sold on him? No, nah, I'm not necessarily sold on him, but I think, you know, I am edging kind of being sold on him. And then this tournament is actually going to help me out a lot, I think. Uh, it's just like you know minor things for me to just the decisions he makes as a as a manager and you know I just hope he puts the right players in the right places and just make the right tactical adjustments in terms of the of the you know, the urgency in the moments in the game uh, of each game uh, but I think this is a big chance for him to kind of you know what I am the one who's at the helm right now for Team USA and I'm gonna be here for a cool minute however long that is uh, and then of course you know right after this tournament right away in October. That's when our World Cup qualifying starts. So it's kind of very, it's very difficult to kind of make that big of a change when you're heading into the world's biggest tournament. So I think, you know, either way, Burhalter has to stay here uh, past the World Cup. And whatever happens after the World Cup, it's just, you know, it goes off from there. So yeah, like Eli said, there's no one necessarily to replace him right now. And I don't think it's a good idea to make that kind of big change. Uh, but definitely there will be options and, and, and potential candidates after the World Cup. Oh, yeah. And uh, just a final question here, you know. Uh, so after the Nations League final, you know, say lots of USMNT fans dub in the USMNT as the Kings of CONCACAF. If the USA win this tournament with basically a B team, I, I guess we can all agree, right? For the summer so far, heading into the upcoming World Cup and during World Cup qualifiers, the US are uh, Kings of CONCACAF. We can agree with that if the US do beat Mexico in the final, right? If Mexico do make it to the final, because anything can happen. I guess, collectively, we can agree, the three of us right here, that if that I, happens... I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say necessarily that they're the Kings. I would say that they do have Mexico's number. Not only Mexico's, but CONCACAF's. Um, you know, imagine being the Kings of CONCACAF and not being able to qualify the World Cup. That's I think that's very difficult, you know? Okay, but um, like, being the best team in CONCACAF and being above mexico that does make us the king of Concacaf, right i know but that shouldn't be something you you know you shouldn't be so highly of because to be honest you guys aren't usa isn't really used to that and so um of course yeah to be at that point yeah sure celebrate it as much as possible every little victory celebrate as much as possible but the main goal and the main goal for any national team is to make it to the world cup you could beat everyone in your confederation but if you can't last in the group stage there's no point in celebrating that's what i think counterpoint Italy missed the last World Cup, and they're about to win the Euros. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying Italy's a uh, USA's Italy? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were the Italy. Italy of CONCACAF, you know? We're, we're... I guess you could say that. I guess you could say that. I guess but, you uh, I think there's, still, there's a whole lot more uh, for us to find out. Only time will tell. Here, um, here's what I'll say real quick, right? Like, Eli mentioned Italy, right? Sure, Italy are probably, if they do win the Euros, right, they're, they're European champions. But when you look at teams like Belgium and France, can you really say they're a par above them? We saw them beat Belgium. I can say we can say that. But do you think they're capable of beating a, a French team on any day? Obviously, you know France flopped in the tournament. But if you go maybe like a couple months from now, Italy and France, and you know Italy lose the game, would you still consider Italy the best team in Europe? I think that's what Jerry's trying to bring up. You know, if in let's say like three, four months from now, World Cup qualifier, Mexico beats uh, the USA twice. You know, what, what does that mean? Would you still? You, the U.S. has Kings of Concaf, even if the results don't go their way in World Cup qualifiers against Mexico. 
I mean, me being biased, of course I'm an essay. You have to, you have <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, Mexico still technically has the U.S.'s number. They've won more matches in total. However, the CONCACAF Nations League felt really good. And the, the Gold Cup, if I would, I mean, dude, the Mexico fans are going to be so pissed if an, a U.S. team with mainly MLS players beats like the near first team of mexico it's not the full first team of mexico but they got more first team guys on that squad than the u.s does so i mean that would be great <laughs> and i would love and to you, see it and you know what that says a lot because mls i mean that just shows the growth in mls and you know there's a lot of guys on like you said on the roster and not only that they're already upset because there's a lot of liga Mekki stars who have transferred over to mls and so they're kind of saying oh you know what it's be- i have a better chance of making it to europe which just be real, you know. That's always every player's a uh, dream and just main goal, ultimate goal overall in their careers is to go to Europe. And it's starting to be where the transition from, you know, MLS to Europe is far easier than it is from Liga MX or any other domestic league nearby here in North America. Um, but yeah, regardless of what happens, I think uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Mexico has eight uh, Gold Cup championships in their bag right now. USA has six. If they can get the seventh this year, I think it'll be much more sweeter for the next time around. Um, you know, and even if they equalize it, I think that'll say a lot for, uh, like I said, not only for both countries, but just the entirety of CONCACAF. It'll be uh, more fun to watch. Yeah, um, if I'm correct, I think Philadelphia is the only team in CONCACAF Champions League at the moment because uh, they're yet to play the semifinals. So, you know, maybe MLS could take over and win that a trophy for the first time in a while so we'll see how that goes yeah. and we got uh, the, league cup. the league cups coming up yeah when, oh, when does right. that start when does that start i forgot it's, uh august like 10th i believe it's it's a bs tournament but it's still going to be fun because it's mls versus league mx so that's yeah, heck yeah especially leading up to the all-star game too exactly that that's going to be great make a lot of things a lot more spicier definitely for sure well we're going to segue into talking about el tree the mexican national team Headlines are for Mexico, Rogelio Funes Mori, who was an Argentinian striker, recently changed his nationality to become Mexican in the last month and now will be the leading number nine for the Mexican national team. No Raul Jimenez due to injury that he suffered back in October. And then no Chicharito as relationship between Tata Martino and Hernandez just haven't been on, haven't been, hasn't been good to say the least. So I'm asked Jerry here, do you think Funes Mori will be enough or do you think they'll be missing Jimenez during this tournament? I mean, Jimenez is a big role to fill. And I think, you know, just looking at, you know, big tournaments and just things that are coming up. You have, like, guys like in uh, Michael Damsgaard over there in Denmark stepping up and taking Christian Eriksen's spot, uh, you know, ever since his incident. And so I, I don't think Rogelio Funes Mori will be, uh, you know, Raul Jimenez-esque. But I think he'll definitely fill a void as much as possible and help out. Uh, and compliment uh, Chucky Lozano, Tecatito Coronas, and even Alan Palido's style of play up top. Yeah, uh, they'll be missing uh, Palido for sure. I don't know if you guys have seen what happened to his foot. Yeah, actually, he's yeah. injured, actually. Totally yeah, a uh, picture came out, and it was like, uh, it was against LAFC, if I'm correct, where he got that injury. Uh, the yeah. studs were up, and then, you know, they got like a part of Palido's foot, and it, it just looked really bad on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Eli, uh, when you look at this Mexican team, right, uh, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, there's a couple of, you know, big time starters, big players on there. You have Corona, Lozano, um, kind of the headline players for this team. Uh, Do you think uh, we'll see good performances from them or do you think there's a chance that maybe they underwhelm in this tournament due to how they also have to play in Europe soon and maybe that fatigue of kind of having basically two seasons smushed together? For the past year do you think that kind of fatigue is going to get to them during this tournament i mean i would hope not when you have the the attack that you have because as a u.s fan looking at their attack i'm terrified with the options at the at the options mexico has chucky lozano might be the best player in this entire tournament and he he has to make a statement here for mexico he's got to make sure that he is here he is that dude because you know he's had some rough times at napoli and they got a new coach this season, this off season, which should help him. And like, if he has a great performance here, then he could probably have, um, it might make him more favorable at Napoli and he'll be the guy at Napoli then. And Funes Mori is actually someone who I think will probably win the golden boot of this tournament. 
Uh, I am blown away by their ability to bring him. I'm not surprised. Um, but I, I've seen what he's done for Monterey, and I know that he is a legit goal-scoring threat. And, yeah, I, I'm pretty terrified at what that attack's going to bring. The midfield, a lot of their classic guys, like an Alvarez, um, like a Dos Santos, Hector Herrera, it's going to be solid. They're going to be solid throughout. One thing I will say, thank God Memo Ochoa is not at this tournament. <laughs> as a U.S. fan, I, he's probably my least favorite soccer player in this world. Uh, but, um, I mean, Orozco is probably going to do fine, and whoever's going to be the guy for them. But, I mean, this is Mexico's tournament to lose. They're bringing closer to their A squad. There's no excuses for them. They have to win this tournament, and I really hope they don't. <laughs> Very clearly said of your intentions of Mexico not doing well. Um, uh, Funes Mari also, too, will have a lot of criticism to him. A lot of uh, fans and media from Mexico don't really like that there's basically an Argentinian striker leading the top for Mexico. There, I, I don't know what it is about uh, just the Mexican fans. You know, they just, just want pure Mexicans, you know, kind of like how Chivas, their whole club is built on, hey, we only sign and we only produce Mexican players. Um, so I think there's going to be pressure on Funes Mori as well to perform well and kind of show, hey, you know, you guys should be glad that I'm your striker now when the options there are really, really limited. So a couple of players uh, like Diego Linus and Memo Ochoa will be going to the Olympics to represent Mexico this summer in Tokyo. So that's the reason why they won't be in the squad. Um, Jerry, who do you think for Mexico is going to be that, who needs to be that breakout player for Mexico if they want to elevate their game even more and just solidify that, hey, we're the favorites and we can take this. Well, first things first, I think it's important to point out the players that are missing, not only because of the Olympics, but, you know, those who are out due to injury. I mean, we're missing Andres Guardado, who's been the captain for many, many years for this national squad. And Rodolfo Pizarro has been uh, injured as well. And then, like you said, previously mentioned, Polido, he got that that foot injury. And so that's a big, uh, big shoot to, uh, to fill. Uh, but Edson Alvarez, I think, is a guy that will, step up big even Eddie Gutierrez it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch uh, but in terms of defense I'm really excited how this new defense you know this is like a little mock-up draft defense that uh, Tata Martino has set up for Mexico I'm really excited to see uh, Gilberto Sepulveda and even uh, Luis Rodriguez play back line and even Salcedo right there which is a former Chivas so he'll link up well with Sepulveda and you know it'll just be a lot of a uh, I guess it's like just the way, same way Berhalter is taking it. You kind of experiment with new things, you know. Uh, the defensive side for Mexico is, you know, it's fantastic. Um, but just the way that uh, you could prepare yourself for the World Cup qualifications, which, of course, like I previously mentioned, it's the most important thing right now. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to just uh, how the midfield uh, fixes their things in terms of uh, taking the roles of the players that are out. And even the goalies, you know, I'm excited to see Talavera between the post and Rodolfo Cota. Maybe even he'll get some minutes for Leon. Or yeah, uh, I think Talavera this last season had a great season with Pumas. Um, so I think he's probably going to be the starter for the Mexican national team. Eli, you have a player in mind from Mexico you think is probably going to elevate their game this tournament? It's got to be Chucky, right? Like, it, it just has to be. He is the face of that team right now he is the star of that team he's the star of the tournament he, he's got to be the best player of this tournament and if Mexico's gonna win this Chucky's got to be at his best game yeah very well said and now we're gonna be talking about a couple other players who are missing uh we're gonna talk about some players who don't really have a good relationship right now with the Mexican Federation Carlos Vela and Chicharito MLS stars both for their respective LA teams uh, Vela has had tons of drama with the Mexican national team for what feels like a decade now, maybe a bit over that. And then Chicharito recently, you know, him and Tata Martino haven't seen eye to eye and Chicharito will not be able to make the squad. Even if he did make it, he probably would have been out due to the current injury he has at the moment. So, uh, Jerry, you think uh, they're going to miss a bit of Vela and Chicharito during this tournament? I don't think so. I mean, I'll, in the previous uh, friendly they had against the Super Eagles of Nigeria, these guys were look top-notch, man. And, I mean, also to give credit to Nigeria, they didn't even have their full squad for that matchup as well. They also uh, faced off, a, I believe, Costa Rica or Panama, one of those two teams, uh, before that. And they looked just as strong with the 3-0 win on that end. And so, you know, with this kind of, you know, just mock-up 
all right, let's get whatever we have and we'll do what we can with it uh, kind of selection for this tournament. I don't think they'll be missed. Now, in terms of qualification for the World Cup, yeah, that'll probably be a, a big thing uh, that they're going to need, uh, you know, Vela and Chicharito. And I, but I think that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think, it, regardless of whether they had Vela and Chicharito or not, Mexico is the favorite to win the tournament um, with the roster that they have, regardless of them. I think that Chicharito's form in MLS should have warranted him a spot on this squad, especially because while Mexico's attacking options are phenomenal, they are very slim. There's only four players on that. Um, and I think Chicharito could have brought something different to the table than the other guys. But Vela, you know, the drama, of course, and Chicharito, the drama. But Vela, I feel like, you know, He's still trying to find his form back in MLS right now. I don't think he needs to be taken away from LAFC. Or I don't think he's necessarily in the form to play in a big tournament right now for the Mexico national team. I think once he gets his confidence fitness back um, for LAFC, that maybe by September in World Cup qualifying, Vela could get back on the roster. Uh, yeah, I, I think it just depends on how Mexico's attack does because both these players are attacking players. And if Mexico, you know, do struggle or, like, barely win, like, 1-0 and stuff like that or grind for, like, a tie, I think, yeah, there'll be questions about why maybe the, maybe these guys in the future should be uh, looked at more. And now we can, I guess all three of us can agree that the pressure for this tournament is definitely on Mexico, right? After losing the Nations League final, they need to win this and kind of badly because uh, a lot of USMT fans like Eli, Kings of CONCACAF, is what the USA is, and... I'm pretty sure that pisses off a lot of the Mexicans who have to hear that. And there's Eli celebrating in the background. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if Mexico, let's say, um, lose the final or heck, don't even make the final, lose in the in the semifinals, do you think the the door for Tata to leave opens up just a little bit more or no? I'm going to start with you, uh, Eli. Well, ha correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that Nations League match like Tata's first L with the national team? uh on a competitive basis yeah i think that was yeah so i'm I, I mean we're about 18 months away from the world cup i think regardless of what happens i think it's too soon to get rid of tata just because the turnaround is going to be annoying the amount of the amount they're paying him it's like two million dollars a year they don't want to buy that out and pay someone else you know uh, I, I don't think that they're going to fire him. However, if Mexico does lose in like a semifinal or quarterfinal, it's going to be embarrassing. And I think regardless, if they lose at any stage of the tournament, all the Mexican fans are going to want his head. Um, it's just how it works in this game. I remember Juan Carlos Osorio with the national team Ugh. back in the 2018, like one game and it was done for him. He went from the most beloved to the most hated um so you know i mean who are they gonna get you know they they they're fire tata they're gonna get like miguel herrera no <laughs> like they're not gonna go back down that road i can't do that yeah i can't do that again <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah no i i think he's fine i don't think there's they're gonna fire him but like it will be interesting what would happen if they don't win this tournament but i am fully expecting them to win it all jerry what do you think yeah i mean same same thing here you know I don't think if, you know, if that, if that, of course, God forbid, if Mexico loses this tournament in any way, form, or fashion, uh, I don't think there's something to be worried about, but they will have a higher sense of worry compared to the USA if they were to lose this tournament. And so, you know, this is basically set up for them to win. They're not in any kind of tough group. You know, they should go through, even if it's surprising they go through as a second seed in their in their group, you know, they, they should go through from here on out and win the whole thing. Um but definitely, you know, like like we said before, this is an experimental kind of tournament where, you know, they're leading up to the World Cup qualifiers and they could test out anything and everything right now. But, of course, you know, everyone's being tested, also the coaches. And so, but yeah, Tata Martino, he's, I think his job is secured uh, up until the World Cup just as much as, uh, if not even more, than uh, Greg Berhalter. So I don't think that should be an issue at all. Yeah, you make a good point there. I, I would say, you know, Tata does, you know, kind of, he's safe just because he already won the Gold Cup. I would say, you know, even if they do make the final and lose, I don't think that'd be a big of a deal. But, you know, like, you know, Eli mentioned, you know, quarterfinal, semifinal loss, that's going to sting a lot. And Mexican media and fans are good, literally going to be calling for his head for weeks when that happens. Now we're going to end this soon, but really quickly. Uh, 
Eli, oh, have Eli go first and then Jerry just real quickly. Who's going to win the Golden Boot for this tournament? I'm going to go Funes Mori. I think I think he will win it for Mexico and he'll he'll get the Golden Boot. And I'd like to see it, even though I'm not an L3 fan, as you can tell. Uh, I, he's a player that I enjoy watching, so I'd like Jay? Yeah, same here. Funes Mori, I mean, I honestly think that he could be a potential contender to make that switch to MLS. And I think that'll be so sick to, for that to happen. But in order for that to happen, I think he needs to perform well in this tournament and just uh, think that. Because, like I said, you know, people start to think, oh, the big league is becoming MLS. And so he could make that switch. Shoot, I mean, maybe he could be Miami's sixth DP, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure Funes Mori has a great tournament and stuff you know a lot of mls teams you know jerry i think pretty sure lafc would probably be very interested they're definitely in need of a true number nine and he would definitely go a long way in improving that squad um, i'm gonna stay on the daryl dk hype train i think this is um his tournament to really just cement himself as that solid number nine just like uh eli i, I don't understand why people like overhyped uh josh Sargent so much like i don't know what people see in him uh a, a lot like i get he gets in good spots but for me like at times i just think he's kind of overrated eli what do you think it's because he plays in europe and daryl dk is not officially a european player yet um that's the literally the only reason why usmnt fans would have him over daryl dk uh it's just the way usmnt fans work the second players in europe they're automatically better than an mls player when we will have at least i can guarantee you next summer at the World Cup, hopefully they qualify. There will be at least one or two MLS players in the starting 11, and USMNT fans will hate it, but there will be. Yeah, you, yeah. you make a good point there. Very big European bias. Just like, you know, Mexican fans are the same thing, like when they called uh, Diego Linus the the Mexican Messi and stuff, you know, after oh, his man, move was... to Betis. Yeah, yeah, that was Brando, pretty dude. stupid. That was pretty yeah. stupid. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next topic, who do you think is going to – I don't know if there's a golden ball – but who do you think is going to be the best player in this tournament who will help push their team to the most? Uh, Jerry, who do you think? I think all eyes, and I can't, we keep forgetting, we haven't even mentioned in this podcast, is uh, Alfonso Davies, you know. There's no Jonathan David up there, and Alfonso Davies will be able to uh, play as much as he want down the wing as a left back. Even if, you know, they put him as a midfielder to contribute up top. But I think he will be a big contributor in both ends, whether it's offensive or defense. Um, so I think he could be like a really... Uh, I think instead of best player, it's more like best key player, which is like a player who's most important to their squad compared to all the other nations. And so uh, he'll definitely be someone um, to keep an eye about. And like we all mentioned, you know, Chucky Lozano is arguably the best um, player in this tournament. I think the close second or even the best as well is uh, Alfonso Davies. Yeah, I'm going to go a similar route here. I think if either Canada or Jamaica makes it to the final, it's going to be like a Luka Modric situation from the 2018 World Cup. You got to give it to either Leon Bailey or Alfonso Davies if that happens, which I really think there's a high possibility that either the U.S. or Mexico falls in the semifinal to one of those two teams. And I think both of those guys would deserve it. Uh, D Davies will definitely be playing left wing this tournament. He won't be playing left back. I think he he's definitely more of an attacker for the Canadian national team because they need it. Um, but then if Mexico goes all the way, it's U.S. versus Mexico. I'm going to go Chucky Lozano. Chucky Lozano. All right. Uh, good picks. Uh, I'm going to go kind of on what Eli said, you know, kind of that Luka Modric player that helps helps elevate that team to the final. I think Leon Bailey could probably, you know, because he, he's really going to show off for the Jamaican national team at a big stage now. You know, he hasn't really represented Jamaica too much, nor has he represented them at all you know, during during qualifiers, kind of like how Kaylor Navas does for Costa Rica, you know, only comes when it's maybe like one World Cup qualifier against the Mexico or US and the World Cup. And he's kind of absent for the whole time there. So I think Leon Bailey, I think if he can have a good tournament, you know, he's he's probably going to lead Jamaica to the final and probably, you know, maybe win it. You never know. But anyway, uh, last thing or last uh, topic you guys want to last comment you want to have about the tournament before it starts. Uh, Eli, something you just want to say before uh, the tournament starts, maybe prediction or maybe something to look out for. Well, heading into the tournament, I'm going to use what my guy Jason Davis at the Best Soccer Show says. I have BDE, big DK energy heading into this tournament. <laughs> 
PK will lead the U.S. all the way to the finals and win it all. That is just me being completely biased. However, uh, it, it's all riding on DK, and I know that he has the capabilities to do it all himself. I mean, people underrate his playmaking ability for himself, at least, not necessarily for others. But heading in this tournament, big DK energy. Let's go. Jerry. Oh, yeah, I like it. Um, no, I, this tournament, you know, you know, of course, you know, this podcast is all about all the soccer tournaments that are happening this summer. You know, it's action-packed. But honestly, this was probably the tournament that I was looking forward to the most. I was looking more forward than the uh, Euro and the Copa America. And so um, I think this will also be the very first tournament where I keep my eyes on for the majority of it. Even the, you know, the Group C and D matches that are, like, feel less important. There's a lot of teams that are, like, you know, might be, like, the Dark Horses or the, you know, Cinderella squads. Um, so I think just overall it's gonna be a fun tournament to watch. Uh, maybe even the people that we, the teams that we didn't talk about today, might make a run, and that 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 kind of stuff you know excites me as a football fan. Um, so yeah, just overall looking forward to this uh, Saturday and see how uh, this plays out within a month. Yeah, my thing for this tournament is we're gonna be seeing a change, I guess, of a generation. You know, Costa Rica, their generation, kind of their golden generation is getting older. So I'm not really expecting them to make too much of a deep run. Same thing with Panama, right? A couple of years ago, you know, they were really good and they looked like, hey, we could make some noise. But, you know, after qualifying for the World Cup, you know, most of the players are around like the 32, 33, you know, not really old and not really too young anymore. And, you know, their, their legs aren't where they used to be a couple of years ago. And then now you have some teams on the rise. Canada, we've mentioned Alfonso Davies is going to be playing. Canadian national team, I think, as a whole, that whole program is definitely elevating um, the players and the level of players that they're producing over there as well. And then Jamaica, who we've mentioned too, yeah, they've been solid for the last uh, decade, but I think they're they're on the rise too as a footballing nation. I think we'll see uh, those two nations definitely step it up as we see Panama and Costa Rica kind of die down a little bit as their generations kind of transition in between. But yeah, uh, everyone, thanks for listening to the Soccer Summer Podcast, previewing the CONCACAF Gold Cup for Eli and Jerry. Thank you so much for listening. Um, give this podcast a five-star review on if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Follow us at Los Angeles Saga on all social medias. And for these two amazing dudes, thanks for listening.